Welcome to Awakened and Alive After 40. If you're searching for inspiring and easy to apply Enneagram and human design content, then you've come to the right place. We're your hosts, Dominique and Carrie, two friends and coaches who are passionate about sharing our knowledge and insights on these two powerful self-awareness systems to help you step outside the box and into a life that is true to who you really are. We're so grateful to have you here. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast, or welcome if this is your first time here. Thank you for clicking play on this episode because we're going to have a lot of fun today, at least I think, talking about the power of language and how our words actually shape our lives, our reality. And this is something that I have really become so much more passionate about over the past year. And Carrie, I know with your background, speech language pathologist, this is just going to be such, I think, an eye-opening conversation for all of us because there really is so much power in general with words and the frequency of energy that words carry and more so than we could ever imagine. I, this past year, have really been studying the crap out of words and the impact that they have within our lives. And even just over the years of my coaching business, one of the things that I really focus on in the beginning is helping my clients identify the limiting beliefs and stories that they've been carrying throughout their lives to give better insight into why they're experiencing experiencing what they're experiencing in their life today. Overall, this is going to be just a lot of fun. And so Carrie, when you think about the power of language, what comes to mind for you initially? For me, I think not only from the perspective of what the actual meaning of the words is, because that's mainly what we're going to be focusing on today. But language is comprised of so much more than just the vocabulary and the meaning behind the words. So much of our communication is nonverbal. So much of our communication is carried out in the tone of how we speak, in the speed with which we're speaking. And so there's so many components of language that we could touch on today that this podcast could probably be two or three hours long. But I think what we're hoping to focus on is really just more on words themselves, the power behind words, whether that is a psychological power and how it's taken emotionally by the listener or even the vibrational power of the word itself. So obviously we are both native English speakers. We will be focusing on the English language. And in our discussion today, we'll be talking mostly from our perspective and that lens. But I'm sure this is something that can be universal with all the languages spoken on earth. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And when we think of like, okay, why have this conversation? Why is this something that at least I feel and I'm sure you feel as well, Carrie, that it's important for people to look at within their lives. And for me, it all goes back to that words create, like I mentioned in the beginning, when you look at your life right now, that some total of your decisions or lack of decisions is what created your life right now. Our words carry meanings and those meanings affect our behaviors. 
And so when we look at it from that lens, it all starts with what does this word, whatever it might be, mean to you? And what is your response to it? For me, one of the researchers that I really loved learning about this past year was, and I might be butchering the name, so excuse me, Dr. Masuro Emoto. He actually did a water experiment where he used high vibrational words like love and gratitude, and then low vibrational like hate, disgust. And he looked at the difference in the crystallization of water based on the words that were spoken to the water. It showed that our thoughts and our language affect the molecular structure of water. It came to, I, I saw pictures of this, where the water that was crystallizing from the word love had this beautiful crystalline structure to it. And it looked like this gorgeous snowflake. And then water that was crystallizing from the word hate had just this total mess that was just not structured. And it wasn't really a, a beautiful image like the snowflake that I was just sharing with the the opposite of love. But it was just really fascinating to read about his studies. And he also did this with rice as well. And the breakdown of the rice was completely different with the high vibrational language and low vibrational language that he used. Was he doing the study in Japanese using the Japanese words or English words? Do you know? So he actually used both. Oh, interesting. Because even though the word may sound very different in Japanese versus English, it's the energy of that word. Love is love. And so it didn't necessarily matter. He didn't find that difference between English version and Japanese version because it had the same meaning. So that meaning had that high vibrational element to it. So it's not just talking about the vibration of the sound waves coming out of one's mm. mouth when the word is spoken. It's more than that. Yep. It is the emotion out of it, the meaning that is behind it. And one thing that I think is really fascinating to look at is even when we take the word creativity, what comes up for you when you hear creativity? For me, initially, it was, oh, I'm not creative. I've never been able to be creative. I always wish I could be. And it's this sense of lack or not enough. And so that word creativity used to create this emotional response in my body that was a sense of lack or not enough. But somebody else might hear it and think, oh man, yeah, I have so many creative ideas. Oh, I just want to grab an instrument right now because it just makes me feel so good. And that's that person's instant response to the word creativity because they have a totally different meaning. And so that's the beauty of recognizing what does this bring up for you? If that emotional response is low, then that's going to create a sense of probably lower self-worth, not feeling as lovable, and just this whole sense of not being enough, which is a lot of what comes into play when we're feeling down about ourselves. And then that stimulates energy that also attracts like energy into our lives. So when we're talking about 
how words and meanings create our experiences and our lives, that's a lot of what is happening. I had never really thought about this from that perspective. I think I've always been a little bit more coming at it from the scientific lens of like the vibration of the word and that it was that basic and it wasn't a deeper thing having to do with the energy behind the message or whatever it may be. It's sort of like those experiments, I can't cite them, that have been done with plants and people speaking negatively versus positively to plants and how it impacts how the plant thrives and grows. Oh, yeah, I've read a lot of that research as well. For both of us, we are both sciencey people. With my background in physical therapy, I love a mixture of logic and statistics, but I also like to leave room for all of the possibilities that are unexplainable. But what I really loved as I was trying to learn more about language is that there have been many different researchers and scientists who have more recently been looking into the power of language. And they've discovered that language can even splice DNA. You can alter your DNA through language and the emotions that they bring. So this is actual research that is now out there to show that there's tremendous impact in our lives based off the words and the meanings that we carry. Like I said before, words carry vibrational frequencies of energy and they create. When you think of everything that is in our world, structural and everything else, it started with a thought, right? Someone came up with a thought like, hey, wow, wouldn't this be great? And then that thought turns into actual physical change. So it really is about what these words and meanings stir up within each of us and how we're going to respond based off of that emotional energy that it brings into our bodies. And for me, one of the really interesting aspects of this conversation is the language you are raised with, your native language that you're taught to speak, impacts, conditions how you think. It conditions your perspective. It conditions how your brain functions and works. So this thing that you have no control over can shape your whole thought process moving forward for the rest of your life. There's a really interesting TED talk on this. And again, I'm probably going to butcher the name, like Dominique said, but the woman's name is Lyra or Lyra Boroditsky. Mm -hmm. And she discusses this idea that your language impacts your whole thought process. Yeah. So one of the many examples she gives is there are languages, English is not one of them, but there are languages that are gendered. So like Spanish, French, German, their nouns have genders. So some are feminine nouns, some are masculine. And she found in her studies that in one language, maybe the word for bridge was a feminine word. And in another language, it was a masculine word. And so when asked native speakers to describe a picture of a bridge, the people who spoke the language where it was a feminine word described it with very feminine descriptors. Oh. It's beautiful. It's graceful. It's fluid. And then she would ask people who spoke the masculine language to describe it, and they used masculine descriptors. It's strong. Yeah. It's sturdy. It's structured. Wow. And so you don't know because it's all subconscious, mm -hmm. 
how what language you speak has conditioned your brain to think and perceive in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's super fascinating. If we can find that TED Talk, we'll definitely link it in the show notes. And what I this past year have really dived deeper into is the quantum human design language. I'll link something in the show notes that uh, my mentor, Karen Curry Parker had created a video describing the difference between the traditional human design language and quantum human design language. Her reasoning behind creating the quantum language is because it is a higher vibrational frequency. Human design is a storytelling tool. It is telling a story of who you are at your core, your most authentic self, and how you can live a life of great love and value for yourself, for others. And simply just by being, you don't have to do anything different, but being love is where we're contributing to the world and what our true purpose really is. So if we don't love ourselves, if we don't value ourselves, if we don't feel we're enough, then this is ultimately that vibration we're sending out into the universe, the quantum field, whatever you want to call it. So it starts within ourselves. We can't allow ourselves to receive love until we love ourselves enough. We're only able to receive and attract what we can do for ourselves. And this past year, I've been working a tremendous amount on just greater love and seeing the, the worth within myself. And I've felt a huge shift in my emotional energy and what I've been attracting within my life. It's just been a beautiful part of learning more about quantum human design and why I'm so passionate about this new language versus the traditional human design. Hey there, friend. Have you signed up for the Awakened and Alive newsletter yet? If not, we want to invite you to get on the list so you don't miss out on the exciting new offerings we have planned for 2024. By receiving the weekly newsletter, you'll be the first to hear when new episodes drop, along with updates on a very special project we've been working on for our amazing community. It's so interesting because a lot of the human design that we see on social media now and that's really having an upsurgence of popularity is the traditional language because I only ever hear you in our conversations use quantum human design language and then I only know more about it because of you telling me about Karen Curry Parker. So it's just interesting that one has taken off a little bit more greatly. It just must be that the people finding that are at a certain point in their life where that's what's resonating with them versus the people who quantum human design will resonate with more. Yeah. And human design was meant to shock people into consciousness, becoming aware of how they've been conditioned, how they may be living their lives on autopilot. So it was meant to use shocking language that would disrupt people. But then Karen found, well, what about the people that are coming to me who are already conscious and have worked on deconditioning and their beliefs and have been up-leveling their lives? That language, that old language doesn't support them the way that they're desiring to write a new story about 
who they are and what they desire to create. And that's where I entered into a place. I had done a lot of deconditioning. I had a lot of uh, my trauma that I worked through. So I was a completely different person and human design, the traditional language didn't sit well for me. And that's what really pulled me towards quantum human design. I actually have a reflector client who expressed that same concern to me is that she was very turned off by the way Ra-Uru-Hu was describing reflectors. He's the initial person who received the download, and that's what traditional human design is based off of, is his download that he received. So it was fascinating to hear from her that she was almost turned away from wanting to learn more because of the language that he was using, because she came into it at a different point as well where she was in a higher vibrational frequency within her own beliefs and language that she was using for what she wanted in her life. What are reflectors referred to in quantum human design? So reflectors are known as calibrators mm. in quantum. That's just such a beautiful thing that they really do reflect back the health of their community, knowing a reflector will give you a great insight into how healthy a community is. Because if they are happy, they're feeling really delighted, you know that you're in a healthier community because they're reflecting, they're calibrating also what's occurring in the community with all of the openness. But if you have a reflector who is very disappointed and sees so much potential and is just like, man, so much more could be happening, this deep disappointment, then that's a good indicator that something needs to shift within the community and that it may not be the right community for them. And people who maybe aren't as familiar with human design, reflectors or calibrators are super rare. Less yeah, than less 1% than, less of, than the 1 population. of the population. And all their centers are undefined. So they Correct. have a lot of openness in their Completely body. Completely open. So they are really able to tap into their own truth when they follow the lunar calendar, the 28-29 day cycle, because the moon transit impacts their centers as well as the people in their environment. So it takes time. That lunar cycle is just for them to take time to know what is theirs, what is right for them, because they're constantly cleansing and clearing out that energy from their system that they collect day to day. So they need to get to know this routine of theirs through this 28 to 29 day cycle. And that's how they really get to know themselves by tracking it as well. And every single energy type, beautiful beings, but I'm really fascinated by the openness of reflectors or calibrators. In regards to this conversation and how, for me, it related to the Enneagram is when we are talking about language and how even people who speak the same language can come to understand a message so differently based on their own conditioning, based on their own past experiences, based on how certain words may trigger them either in a positive or a negative way. I've noticed this happen even with loved ones in my life that we interpret words completely differently and we have completely different perspectives on what a word or a phrase was intending to mean. And this is exactly the point of working within the Enneagram framework is how different we all are. 
even within the nine types, you could have two people behaving and doing exactly the same things, but the motivation behind why they're doing it is completely different. The same thing with language. You could have two people saying the exact same thing, but the meaning or what they're intending to mean is completely different. So it's just another reminder to us to not take things at face value, to really get to know a situation or get to know a person on a deeper level if you want to completely understand what they are trying to communicate to you, truly listen to how they are communicating to you, and really try to understand their motivation behind what they're saying. And when you know someone's Enneagram type, it can be a lot easier to understand what their motivations may be. Because when you understand the framework, you understand the different motivations behind very typical behaviors that we all as humans may have. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing with the Enneagram framework is that the more we understand each other and how conditioning may have impacted us differently than the least for myself and through my process, I was able to have so much more compassion for others, for myself. And I was just like, this isn't personal or anything. That's their story. And I don't know their story, so I can't judge and they don't know my story. Like I said, when it came to creativity, I always believed that I had zero creativity besides me just having that belief. It came from kids laughing at things that I would draw or color. And so that was a part of me that my story was, I'm not creative because this person or these people said I wasn't creative. Is that true though? Is that really true? And I think that's another key takeaway too. When we look at how can we become more intentional with our language and the meanings that we hold is first off, if you know of a specific word that can be triggering to you in some way, again, I'm going to use creativity, looking at it and being like, okay, what does that bring up for me? Why does it bring that up for me? And is that true? Can I 100% prove that? So when it comes to creativity, you don't have to be an artist or be able to draw or color or paint. How about musicians? An accountant can be creative because of the way they look at numbers. Creativity is everything and anything. But it's looking at your definition. If this word feels triggering or just not good inside your body and asking, when did I first believe this was a bad thing? And what do I want it to really mean? What is the truth? Yeah, that is really so true. Really asking if the story you've written about the meaning of a word has to be true for yourself still. Because maybe back in the day, it, it did feel good for that to be true. But we're always evolving. Mm -hmm. We're always changing. Our perspectives and experiences can change. And so that in turn can change how we experience certain words and the language that we speak. Becoming more aware of what words mean to you, just like you said, helps you be so much more intentional with how you communicate with others. So just cultivating an awareness that what you say is impactful when you're speaking to other people, when you're speaking to your pets, your plants, yourself, you are impacting those beings. The more we understand this, I think the more people would maybe take that time to pause before speaking and really determine, are these words that I'm about to put out into the world, are they useful? Are they helpful? Are they needed? Are they caring? Are they loving, supportive versus harmful, unnecessary, unproductive, hindering? 
even just social media comment sections, people tend to not use this filter because people just put so much negativity out into the social media space through commenting and criticizing. Yeah. And like we were talking about before, this impacts us at a global level. And so we may not realize the impact our words can have because we feel like we're just this small little being in this humongous universe. How could that really matter? But hopefully with this discussion that we've had, you maybe are starting to realize that you matter a lot because your meanings, your beliefs, your love for yourself, your self-worth and value is not just impacting you, but others across the world. Thank you for listening to this episode. Your support is so appreciated. If you'd like to have a question answered about your human design or Enneagram type in a future episode, you can submit it through the link in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you.